You are normal, mama. You are normal. You are as God made you. If you were listening to this and you had a C-section, but you're wanting a vaginal birth, you're being told that you are broken and that you are a high risk for them. They are likely manipulating you with fear, but not necessarily facts. The last two episodes, we looked at the problem, but who cares if you can define the problem if you have no solutions? This episode is going to focus on how to have the best chance to get back to doing things God's way, having your baby vaginally the way he made you to do. All the scary stuff they're telling you about all the things that are wrong with you, well, most of those are the result of things that were done to most of you, because I know statistically speaking that most C-sections are not necessary and that most moms would have chosen a different route if they had known the outcome. So yes, what was done impacts the what now, but it doesn't have to define it. And there are things you can do to increase the chances that you get back on the road of not being looked at like an accident waiting to happen. But like with anything, it's going to take some work, some courage, and some willingness to go against the grain. So let's dig into it. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for His glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. So we've spent the last two weeks looking at C-sections, looking at V-backs, looking at the problems that we face in this country with these types of things. And you're probably looking at me like, okay, that's great, but what do I do? What am I supposed to do now? It's been done to me. Now I'm in this awful labeled group of having to have a VBAC, what do I do now? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dig into the what now, the what if, what do you do to get out of this group and get into the group of people who have the successful vaginal births after C-section. In our country with the C-section rates being around 31, 32%, a lot of those moms in that group are going to want to have more babies after they've had those C-sections. Rarely is that really even considered in the decision. Rarely does the doctor say, well, are you planning on having more babies? That's not something that really comes up. But since it doesn't come up, that means that a lot of mamas end up being faced with what are they supposed to do after they've had a C-section. Let's talk about that today. First thing I need you to realize is this, when you have had a surgery on your uterus through a C-section, obviously there has been some changes in your anatomy that weren't there before. You have a new past tense opening 
in your uterus that we need to take good care of, right? So really what we're going to focus on in all of this is how to take good care of that incision, that former incision, now the scar, to make sure that it stays closed. First thing I want you to know is that being induced decreases your chances of having a successful VBAC. Yes, it decreases the chances. And we'll talk about a little bit more in a few minutes about why that is. Second thing to realize that being augmented, and that's a fancy word for trying to increase the speed and the strength of labor. When you are augmented, that usually means by, well, I guess it pretty much always means by means of medications in a hospital that will increase the chances that your uterus ruptures. That means that that incision opens up. Okay, so that's thing one and thing two. Now let's think about what does care in a hospital look like, both for moms who have had a C-section before and for those who haven't. Care in a hospital, if you're on a typical labor and delivery floor in our country, you are not going to have a nurse that is only assigned to you, most likely, unless it's a very slow point in time. Most likely your nurse is going to be assigned to you and at least one or two other people, other mamas. She will be managing both of your labors or all three of your labors at the same time. There will be somebody most likely sitting at the nurse's station looking at a screen that is showing your strip, as we call it, your fetal monitoring readings. But they're also looking at everybody else on the entire floor. So nobody is only looking at you all the time. You've got lots of eyes here and there bouncing off of you, but you never really truly have anyone's full attention for long. Now let's juxtaposition that next to care at home. If you have chosen to have a birth at home, feedback or otherwise, you are one-to-one at all times, meaning the midwife who is there taking care of you is only taking care of you and you have her full attention all of the time. So you can imagine that there is going to be less missed by someone who is watching you all the time than someone who might have dashed into another room for a few minutes and isn't paying attention to you at all. There's a much greater opportunity for something to slip through the cracks. All right, so that's our foundation. Induction and augmentation impact your success and the type of care and how many people are looking straight at you, paying attention to you. Those are two very, very important things when we're taking care of a scar on a uterus. Now, out of the 13% of people who try to labor after having a C-section in hospitals in America, this is called a TOLAC, trial of labor after C-section, there's about a 60% success rate, depending on where you look at your statistics, somewhere around 60%. So that means of those 13%, 60% succeed. It's not awful. It's not great. It's only a little bit over half. At home, on the other hand, the VBAC success rate is greater than 90%. Then you look at places like the farm, and they have a 96.8% success rate. So that means that nearly everyone who tries to have a VBAC under the care of the midwives at the farm will successfully have that VBAC. What does that tell you? Who cares for you matters. You must, you must, you must choose wisely. 
If you are a mama who has never had a C-section and you're listening to this because you're kind of taking it as a cautionary tale, understand that who you choose to care for you matters. How they look at birth matters. How they provide care to you during your laboring process matters because very likely it's going to impact whether you end up having your baby in an OR through a surgical scar or a surgical opening or through your vagina like God made you. But if you're the rest of everyone who's listening, the the mama who has had the C-section, it matters for you even more. Because if you have someone who is only giving you lip surface that they believe in VBACs, but in reality, they scare them, they think you're an accident waiting to happen, the likelihood that you're going to succeed at having this vaginal birth is very low. You have to take a lot of time, and I know it's a lot of time, and I know you don't have the time, Mama, especially if you're having a VBAC, that means you have other babies and you are busy, and I understand that, but you have to take the time to make a wise choice when it comes to your provider, or you will regret it later. I promise you will regret it, and I've done episodes way back in the beginning about choosing your provider that you are welcome to go back and listen to to learn the things you need to ask and how you need to go about choosing your provider. All right, so we need to not be induced. We need to not be augmented. We need to think long and hard about where we're having our baby. And we need to think long and hard about who's taking care of us. Those are all factors that we can impact on some level. Now let's think about what a rupture actually is. And I touched on this in the last episode, but understand that a rupture of your uterus is not automatically a dehiscence. That's a fancy word for saying basically it doesn't blow out. (laughs) And I know that sounds awful. It sounds like a tire. That's not what I'm trying to, to make it sound like, but you get the picture. Most uterine ruptures are in a window. It means the scar just kind of starts to open up a little bit at some point along the scar. It didn't just completely blow out and explode. Now that matters, not because it's not still an emergency. It is still an emergency. Don't, don't take me for saying that this is not a big deal. It is a big deal. But it's not instantly a catastrophe. If this happens to you, you need to be in an OR in less than about 14 minutes to have a chance to prevent bad outcomes. I'm not trying to tell you that if your uterus ruptures, you're not going to have a bad outcome. Hear that as well. It is a scary thing, but what I need you to hear me telling you is that being in a hospital is not a guarantee because out of all of the hospitals that I've worked at, and I've worked at quite a few on labor floors, it was really hard to get a mom into the OR anesthetized, meaning numbed up and cut in less than 14 minutes. So what I'm saying is that by the time they notice it on the strip, because that's usually the only place they're going to notice it, they're not in there with you, they're not watching you, they're not talking to you enough, (laughs) the time that it's going to take for them to recognize what's happening, get the surgeon there, get you under anesthesia, get you pushed down the hall, those things were out of order, get you pushed down the hall, then get you under anesthesia, because most likely you're going to go under general if this happens. That means you're going to get put to sleep. It's a faster process. You don't have time to waste on a epidural at that point. But this, these things all take time, getting you unhooked, pushed down the hall, in the OR, scrubbed, draped, all the things that have to happen. These are all medical terms that you really don't have to know. You just need to understand that a lot of things have to happen. And for all of that to happen in 14 minutes or less is very, very hard. 
under the best of circumstances. So since we know that being in a hospital, it's very hard to beat this time, but we also know that being in a hospital gives you the lowest statistical chance of having a successful VBAC, but it increases your chances of having a rupture because they tend to induce and they tend to augment your labor and they're not watching you closely, we need to really, really think about whether the hospital is actually the safest option for the place to have your vaginal birth after C-section. Now, I know that sounds crazy in this world we live in, and I know that there's a lot of people that will listen to this and say, she's wrong, she's crazy, but if you really dig into those statistics, the picture that's painted that the hospital is the place to be, it's the safest place, really doesn't add up because The things that happen that tend to increase your risk of having that uterine rupture never happen at home because we don't manage labor that way. We don't take care of you that way at home. We let your body do what it's naturally designed to do when it's ready. We don't force it. Hospitals don't work that way. And so if you're at home and your uterus ruptures, It can happen. I'm not saying that it can't, but I'm saying that the odds of it happening at home are actually less than it happening in a hospital. But if you're at home and it does happen, it's going to be hard to get to the hospital in time. I understand that. But understand that even if you're in the hospital, it's going to be hard to get to the OR in time. In other words, you're dealing with risks here of things that can happen and it's scary either way. But in one situation, you have a provider whose entire attention is on you the whole time. And so if it does start to happen, she's going to notice it sooner. She's watching you. She's checking your baby's heart rate frequently. She's watching your signs. She knows what it looks like and she's paying attention to you and only you. So on the off chance, on the very small statistical chance that it happens to you at all, she's going to see it faster, most likely. And you actually might have a better chance, especially if she's in a situation where she has a good working relationship with a hospital where she can make a call and say, hey, I've got a uterine rupture. We're coming. Have the OR ready. And you go straight into the OR. I don't know, Mama. For me... If I'm in your shoes, and I haven't been in your shoes, I haven't had a C-section, so I can't tell you for sure I haven't been the one making the decision for myself. But I know that knowing what I know and the experiences that I've had, I would actually feel safer being at home. That's just me. At the end of the day, you have to make the decision for you that's best for you and your family. I just need you to know that neither situation is a guarantee But one of the situations actually increases your chances of the rupture happening, whether it be catastrophic, the dehiscence, or just the window, either one, things are going to have to happen pretty quick after that's recognized. And the odds of it being recognized when you're under one-to-one care are much higher than when you are being shared, when your care is being shared with other mamas also. You're being seen by an actual human, not a machine. Someone who recognizes signs and has a brain to think about what's going on. Machines sometimes miss these things. All right, so you're not helpless is what I'm getting at. At the end of the day, you're not helpless. The medical model 
largely looks at things like this, like, like risk, like odds, as something over which you have no control at all. And that is just simply not true. Yes, part of this is beyond your control. If you've already had the C-section, you have the scar that you have to deal with now, and it's that part's beyond your control. But not everything is. So to get back to God's design, we're going to need to focus on doing things God's way. Here are some practical ways that you can decrease the chances that you have a uterine rupture if you're trying to have a vaginal birth after C-section. Beyond who you choose as your provider, beyond where you have your birth, these are things that you can do day to day in your care leading up to birth that will decrease the risk of these things happening to you. Thing one is to increase the time between pregnancies if possible. Now, I understand that if you're already pregnant, there's nothing you can do about this one. But if you're not pregnant and you're just preparing for the future, if you give your body more time in between babies, obviously the scar is going to have more time to heal up well, to put down new healthy tissue. It's going to have more time to reinforce itself and, and to be good and strong. Okay, so consider increasing the time in between babies for thing one. Thing two, and this is the big one, and I bet you can guess what it is, but this is the big one. You've got to focus on your nutrition. Everything is nutrition. You are what you eat, mama. I know you've been hearing that since you're a kid. You are what you eat, but really you are. That's what your body's made from. So if you give your body junk, you're going to have a junk healing scar. If you give your body good, whole nutrition, your scar is going to be much stronger and much healthier. Focus on finding real food, real food that comes from God's earth, some kind of way, whether it be plants, vegetables, animals, whatever the case may be, as close to the source and as close to its original form as possible. So that means if you live in North Carolina, you're not getting your vegetables from California or vice versa. You're getting them from someone local who picked them fresh, who picked them ripe with all the nutrition there in it, not processed. If you're getting beef, you're getting it from the farmer down the road or at the, at the least maybe the county over, not something that has been raised on grain in a, I don't even know what you call the, the type of artificial barns and situations that beef are raised in. You're getting it from the farmer who lets their cows graze on pasture so they have the nutrition in them that God designed them to have so that they can give you the nutrition that you need so that you can be as strong as possible. You get what I'm saying here? Everything is close to the source as non-processed as possible because that's where you get the most nutrition. You're giving yourself a good whole food prenatal vitamin every day, giving yourself all that nutrition, you're hydrating well, you're decreasing your toxins, chemicals, any other insults to your body so that your immune system can spend all of its time and all of its energy on repairing your body, not just your immune system, but all of the systems required to make those new cells form. Give your body everything it needs and take out everything that it doesn't need so that it can focus all the energy and all the time healing up that scar. I cannot emphasize this enough. This is the one thing that our world seems to focus the least on, but it's the easiest thing to do. And it might cost you a little bit more money, but there's that old, that old phrase, you either pay your farmer or you pay your doctor. And in this case, you want to pay a little extra to your farmer so that you're getting the good nutrition that God designed for your body to function off of.
Next, we did touch on this a little bit. Say no to Pitocin or any other drugs for any inductions or any augmentation to try to get your labor either started or going. Wait on nature. Wait on God. Wait for your body to be ready for labor. Do the things that you can do to make sure that your body is ready for labor so that that baby's in a good position when labor comes, so that labor's not longer and stronger and, or longer than it has to be. See, these, this, these drugs, I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about this. These drugs cause your body to make stronger, longer, and harder contractions than you were ever designed to have. They make your uterus squeeze, squeeze so hard and so strong that it puts an unnecessary force on that scar that you don't want it to have. And honestly, even if you haven't had a scar, you don't want that happening. I heard a terrible story this week about a first-time mom whose uterus ruptured, even though she'd never had a C-section. And she was lamenting the fact that no one told her about the risk of Pitocin. They told her she was healthy and that nothing bad would happen. And yet it did. It caused her uterus to rupture because her contractions were too long and too strong and they caused her uterus to open and it left her baby with a lifetime of problems because she, the baby almost died so many times because of that rupture. And none of that had to happen if she would have just waited on labor. These abnormally strong contractions place an abnormal force on that scar and are going to create a more likely situation for that scar to open up than if you will just wait on your body. Your body does not want to destroy itself. It tends to not destroy itself. So if you will just wait and be patient and wait on the Lord who knows your exact situation, he is watching you. He knows what's going on. If you will wait on him, your chances of things going well are going to be much better because he knows what you need better than you know yourself. You don't want to put extra stress on that scar. You want to wait on him to take care of that scar and to take care of you. Now, this isn't a story. None of this is to scare you into anything, but just letting your body do what it knows how to do. And to st- I'm just begging you to stop trying to manipulate your body into doing something that it, it's not ready to do. Trust your all-knowing God with your birth timing, not doctors who are led by fear and they're led by bad studies with bad statistics that tell them that they are justified in what they're doing when they're not. Okay, mama, I want you to know that you are normal. You've had some things happen that you didn't want to happen. They're there now, but there's things you can do. You have power. You are not powerless. And your power comes from the one who created the whole world, created you, and created your baby. Now, I know it feels like an uphill battle. But I want you to remember that you are not alone. Not only do you have God, you have me. The information in these last three episodes that I've shared should give you a big leg up on having a successful feedback. But I'm not going to leave you there. If you are still feeling nervous or if you're wanting to do every single thing that you can possibly do to give yourself the best chance at success, I want you to go over to my website and check out my course. The link is down in the show notes. And inside of that course, I have everything that you need to be fully prepared for your birth, whether it's a VBAC or not. I'll walk you through all you need to know from conception through birth preparation and even postpartum and breastfeeding. There is no stone left unturned. So if you want to be sure that you've got the best chance to rock your birth, go sign up for the course now. Or if you just need a little bit of one-on-one time from me 
to look at your individual situation, you can sign up for a Midwife and Me Power Hour. I'll look at your specific details and I'll help you come up with a plan that will give you confidence as you walk through your pregnancy and birth. Either way, I would be honored to be a part of your story. So go check both of those out at yourbirthgodsway.com. Let me know if you have any questions. Shoot me an email. The link for my email is also down in the show notes. Love to hear from you. Love to help you in any way that I can. And I would be honored to do so. And I'll see you back here next week. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.